0: Hey, everybody. It's Ken and John. Before we start the show, we just wanted to make sure you heard on mm. our last show the change in Omnibus. No change at all to you, the listener. The show's still delightful. The show's still free. But the show is now independent.
1: We are independent of our corporate masters. We have uh, we pulled the ripcord. That doesn't mean, it's scary for us, but it means nothing to you, except
0: that if you would like to join us on our journey and support the new independent omnibus, you can now do so through the funding mechanism of Patreon.
1: Our Patreon account is patreon.com slash omnibusproject. Uh, you can go there and uh, and join at several, t- at several different tiers.
0: Different uh, perks and privileges are in the works. For now, we just appreciate you early adopters who are hopping aboard with faith the the new uh, independent omnibus that we're building is going to be cool.
1: Yeah, my operating principle is always donate at the level that makes you slightly uncomfortable about the the amount of your contribution.
0: Thank you for your support of the new independent omnibus. The adventure is just beginning unless the cataclysm comes.
1: Bum bum bum. and uh
0: Receiving this message. We are Ken Jennings and John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent
1: time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So, whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just
0: reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you.
1: This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus.
0: Accessed entry 494.LV2342, certificate number 38597. Photomats.
1: Uh, when can I pick up the pictures? Thursday. This Thursday, Okay, think we make a note of that. You're going to write it down there? Oh, uh, well, it's going to be. Yeah. Oh, well, then uh, let's say Tuesday. You mean two days earlier? No, five, five days, days later. Five days later, uh-huh. I thought as much. If
2: this customer were at a photomat store, we'd be introducing him to our brand new picture pickup promise. Photomat's way of telling you exactly when your pictures will be ready that quick sure and if it doesn't work out you get a free roll of film oh no 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 no! you get in trouble oh, for it's that your I mean, problem yeah. huh? it's a photomat policy
1: the photomat picture pickup promise they're a photomat store around here do you remember your first camera
0: uh yeah it was cheap and bad and i think it broke soon huh? i didn't really have a connection it's with many of my cameras like i never got a nice one that i could uh take care of and i was not the kind of kid who
1: would did you ever get a nice camera or did you transition right from bad cameras to bad to phone? phones?
0: I think I had like one pretty nice, like reasonable Canon in between that I kind of carried on some international travels. I
1: mean, your folks seem like they might have been the kind that had a, that dad had a had a Canon at some point. Like
0: or? yeah, like all parents that age, they had they had nice cameras. You know, albums of family vacations. They were kind of camera hobbyists.
1: It's funny to think what a what a status symbol, what a, what a sign of kind of bourgeois arrival, like a fancy camera was the one object you need to not
0: be big and cumbersome. And
1: they were so often (laughs) uh, nice cameras were big
0: and cumbersome,
1: but this was, this was before, um, there was, there was any kind of video camera. And before there were a lot of consumer electronics, no sort of, uh, walkman or digital devices of any kind I
0: certainly remember my po- my first polaroid my family's first polaroid just thinking seeing seeming like it was a magic trick you right. know like that was as cool as any walkman or any other gadget i've ever seen in my life the first time i saw an iphone was good but the first time i saw a polaroid camera
1: was probably better how is it doing that how is it doing that my first camera was a um my first camera was the first camera of a lot of people, my generation, which was a, a Kodak Instamatic, a uh, a little plastic, sort of about the size of a pack of cigarettes, you know, an old an old hard pack of cigarettes. Uh, it had a lens that had a fixed focal length. When you looked through the viewfinder, it was just basically a plastic clear. Uh, little look through it didn't actually look through the lens
0: they're probably not that different from the you know the yellow cardboard one use kodak cameras that you still see at wedding receptions or whatever today
1: right the difference was the the film format it actually came in a cartridge i don't know if you remember these they kind of looked like a pair of binoculars it had a uh, it was just a single plastic cartridge that you stuck in the back and, and closed the door of your camera and then you wound it after every shot with your little thumb winder and then you'd pull the cartridge, the entire cartridge out. Whereas the disposable cameras were a thirty-five millimeter format. Those old instamatic formats, it was a it was a format called one twenty-six Kodak one twenty-six. I didn't
0: realize it wasn't thirty-five millimeter.
1: No, and and it's why old photos are uh, are so often a square format. One twenty-six instamatic film was a was like it was called one twenty-six because. It was after all the the finishing happened, it was a twenty six millimeter square photograph, and thirty five millimeter uh as a format became more popular later on
0: w- was- what explains the rounded corners on old photos this is i've I've not thought about this since then, but i' I'm, I'm now wondering why did they have do you know I, what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think
1: it might just be f-
0: a little bit of flair. We, we
1: thought it looked fancy. Yeah, I
0: think they to they, cut they, off a tiny bit of your image. There's no there's, optical reason, right?
1: No. Well, huh? That's interesting. Whether the round? No, I don't think so. I, I think it was just, uh, it was just a little, just a little bit of uh, uh, hospitaliano that they were putting on it. <laughs> yeah, that's what we, that's what we said.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't want this whole episode to just be indulging in. Boomer slash Gen X nostalgia for like worse things. Right. But it really is hard to understate the difference in the culture when f- photography was kind of difficult, expensive, and rare. You know, you really prized your photographs, they were kind of a family artifact. They were even art. Yeah. As we were saying in the, uh, in the, uh, whichever entry that was, uh, the monkey selfie entry you would invite people over to look at your vacation photos. Like it was a gallery opening. Yeah.
1: And they would come under, under extreme duress, you know, the like, joke
0: is that it was boring, uh, but it really was
1: something that you thought was worthy of showing people. Let me show you what we saw. On look, vacation. I made a hat. My first, uh, Insta, uh, Instamatic, I think the cartridges came in either 12 or 20 photos in a cartridge. And, um, It was given to me by my dad. I think probably in about 1975, and the first trip I took out into the Alaskan bush, I brought my little Instamatic, and I still have the photos I took. And you know, a lot of them are out of focus or weirdly, uh, weirdly framed. You know, I'm still getting, getting an idea of like how to look through this thing, but. I captured some really interesting moments. In fact, of the first long winner's record has a couple of photos. I took no from that first role in, in that first role in, in the, uh, in the, the booklet uh, of pictures,
0: take kind of bad, weird photos as a kid in case you're ever in an
1: indie band. But I did that thing that we all used to do, which was on a, on a flight, um, you know, when you see beautiful mountains, snow-covered mountains, out the window, yeah. T- point your instamatic out the window and take some pictures. And I just lucked out; I got a couple of really nice pictures. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, I assume we're going we're gonna get into this. How common it was to just see your photos, and many were bad, right? So like many were bad. America just took the world took. Just millions and millions of bad photos and did not know until weeks later.
1: It felt so empowering to have a camera because cameras and photos were such a important part of adult culture, right? I mean, sitting around, I can't tell you how many evenings we sat around and looked at our own photo albums and somehow never got tired of – Flipping the pages and like, oh, remember that car?
0: I mean, it's it's isomorphic <laughs> to Instagram. It's exactly you know, Facebook does the same thing when they're like, check out where you were five years ago on right. this date. It's it, the Same. It's bringing out the old family album.
1: Um, and having that camera, I felt like um, I felt like it gave me some status with other kids. Like I had a camera. How, old, how old were you? I was seven. Uh, seven, eight, they, because other kids then immediately as they saw my camera, they all lined up. They wanted me to take their picture. Um, <laughs> it's like you're in some developing world village. Yeah, except it was my <laughs> friends. And I still have those pictures too. But it's funny what you, what you, what you say about, uh, the scarcity being such a, a component of it. A lot of those camera, a lot of those roles that I took, um, I didn't end up taking 12 pictures at the same event. I would take a picture, and then two weeks later... You really pick your spots. ...another picture. You do, and, and, and it's a little sad in that there are, there are a lot of pictures from that time where I really wish I had the five pictures on either side of it, too, because I remember the day, and I, whatever moment I chose to line three people up against a fence and take their picture, that wasn't really <laughs> sufficient to capture the memory. I have a, a good friend who took a bunch of pictures of Elliot Smith very early on. Her name is Autumn Dewilde. She's a uh, a well-known rock photographer and fashion photographer. Mm-hmm. And Autumn was she always seemed to be where things were happening and she has this story. I've seen the I've seen the um, the sheet the first roll of film that she spent taking pictures of Elliot Smith. The first four or five pictures on the roll are of her cat and uh, some, you know, some signs that she saw on the road. Did the cat take the picture? <laughs> then there are like eight pictures of Elliot, and then there are, you know, five more at the end of, you know, some stuff she was documenting that she was going to give away to Goodwill or whatever. And she looks at it now. She looks at the contact sheet and is just like, "Oh my God! If only I had just used every piece, you know, every every shot on that roll, I would have twice as many pictures of Elliot Smith." From those very early days. In hindsight, it's very clear that
0: photography really made no sense until it was digital. Like digital photography is exactly what you want. You know, you don't know what the image is. So it's abundant and cheap until you get the right. Like photography works as a lifestyle choice digitally. And it really didn't before. It 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 worked as an art form. But like it, we were just kind of making do with really a, a terrible, terrible technology.
1: Unless you recognized as a professional photographer that your job was to just burn film, yeah. right? And I think Autumn tells that story because she realized not very much longer that in a situation like that, there, like conserving shots is a false economy, and you just go in and you just take, you just you take. All the pictures.
0: I wish I had a better sense of how exactly how it felt. The film felt expensive to me, but I was a high
1: schooler and college student. It literally it, it, it was not a trivial expense. Film was expensive, and developing, developing it was expensive. was expensive. And that was what uh, Instamatic film and 126 film was cheaper to buy and cheaper to develop than I mean, 35 millimeter was a transition to a kind of prosumer culture where. Canon and and these companies were selling much nicer cameras, and they used this more um, flexible film format. But of course, they were just selling these things to dumb suburban dads for the most part, who were doing point and click photography. I mean, the my dad had a had a, a camera fixation, and this just the smallest, you know, because the like a lot of prosumer stuff it's like now you have all this control over f-stop and and you know all of it just baffled my dad all he wanted was there
0: weren't a, even digital menus back then so the interface was terrible to yeah. change the shutter speed or just stop go or look at the exposure yeah, and
1: you know you had to read the manual which of course no one ever did right. And and as those 35 millimeter cameras evolved then they started to get auto focus they started to get you know to automatic uh Exposure and stuff, which which benefited all these people that didn't know how to really use a camera. Most, nearly all people needed that. Nearly all people, but a big part of the expense and the problem, the challenge of, um, of having your little instamatic or any kind of camera in the '60s and '70s was that you had to take that film in to be developed. You you were uh, you were not somebody who had a a home dark room. And so you had to take your film to be processed to the photo processing place. When it comes to meat, quality
3: makes a huge difference in texture and taste. And even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. get 2 pounds of ground beef and 2 packs of bacon absolutely free plus $20 off your first box when you visit butcherbox.com/iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout that's butcherbox.com/iheart or use the promo code iheart at checkout
0: Did you see the thing that was going around social media this week uh I think it's this maybe it's a clip from TV's Stranger Things where somebody's asking okay Explain to me what's happening here. I've seen it happen on the show and I get that he has to take his pictures into this red room and put some kind of water on them. And then, and I get that that's how you get pictures, but like, but what's happening here? (laughs) (laughs) This was somebody's post. Yeah. This guy went viral for just his, his sincere question he's he's refining his photos or something? He puts the photos in water and somehow that makes it more clear? Is this an old film technique? And if so, wow. what is it called? I love this so much. That he, like, what what magical thing is he doing with the water? That's the only way
1: pictures existed. Did you... Ever spend any time in a dark room yourself? I was uh, high school yearbook editor. You were so
0: I had a photographer I had access to a dark room editor. I was not a f- yeah. Please, please hold your applause until Boy, the end of the show. Wait <laughs> a minute, it's a lot of power. It changes everything now. It explains a lot about my like design and typography obsession, I guess. Well, and the fact that you wear that green visor every time we do this show. <laughs> Why are you wearing the <laughs> acetate visor? <laughs> so I had a, I had access to a dark room, but I was never a photography guy. I would go in there with the photographers, and you know kind of hope that stuff came out right and i hated the smell my main memory of dark rooms of that era is that weird kind of what is it vinegary or sulfurous smell yeah of the, of the, of the, of of the, the chemical development solution
1: this is so interesting because i was editor of the high school newspaper at east anchorage high school
0: so my friends were yearbook Zephyr. my friends were newspaper editor the spirit and yeah. they let
1: me do the cartoons but like i got i got yearbook instead well, and it's a uh, it, w- it was a, a real tragedy in my own life because I was I spent most of my high school years um, preparing to be editor of the Zephyr. You knew this was this was your destiny. It was my de- it was my destiny. And then my junior year, I was entertainment editor of the Zephyr, and the newspaper teacher the ad- the advisor said that he was burned out. And he was not going to teach newspaper next year. And my school, East Anchorage High School, hired a carpetbagger, a young woman who...
0: Is that what you call people not from
1: Alaska? Not from Anch- not from East. Oh, Somebody who used to teach at Bartlett or something. <laughs> I uh, thought she was coming up from Florida or she something. She was some young woman who arrived at the school. And I went down was to... Was it Sarah Palin? It, she had a Sarah Palin-esque vibe. I went to East a week or 10 days before school started specifically to go find the new newspaper teacher. And I went into the building and she was there unpacking a box or something. I mean, this is how dedicated I was to this, that I was there. Sure. the summer you know, still in summer and said, hi, I'm John Roderick. I just wanted to introduce myself. I'm going to be the editor of the Zephyr next year. And I thought we should get to know each other and, and start putting together a plan for the paper. And she said, Oh, well, uh, my plan is that I'm going to be the editor of this effort, uh, and so wow, you're welcome to submit your material. Her to... high school
0: dreams did not come true, and she
1: was going to, and I, you know, at the time, I thought she was a middle aged person. I'm sure she was 24, but the idea that she would take this job as editor of this or as newspaper teacher, and that her take on that was hear this you know this incoming senior who's worked on the paper for 4 years and introduces himself as the new editor because because there had always been a an a order, line of succession orderly transition of power right and there was an editor and then the entertainment editor and then he became there he or she became the editor you know and and it was and when the teacher when last year's teacher said i'm not teaching it anymore like it was clear that i was that the newspaper was in good hands right because i was so devoted to it it was the only class i did well and so it was devastating to me. She was serious. She, I, she edited the paper. Not only was she serious, but then uh, halfway through first quarter, she decided she was going to appoint a student editor, and she appointed my girlfriend, Kelly, who was not at all interested in newspaper, had only taken the class that year in order to pad her transcript so that she could get into an Ivy League college, And she couldn't have been less interested. And it was absolutely this, you know, this teacher decided she was going to teach me a lesson. It was an early example of her. She objected so much to my presumption that I was the editor that she was going to teach me a lifelong lesson, which she has. And I'm now still mad at her about
0: it. I think my wife has some crazy story about her high school putting on a a spring musical and having the teachers. Play. they did like Annie or Oliver and they had the teachers play all the adult parts Yeah. and the kids got to be the orphans in, in Annie or Oliver or whatever it was.
1: These are teachers that are not, that don't understand the 100% the concept of, of high school, of, of school. Their,
0: yeah. their high school went so bad. They need to recreate it and perfect it for themselves later in life.
1: Well, and what happened to me at the Zephyr was that uh, the teacher lost interest. Uh, my girlfriend Kelly had no interest in it and I ended up, Editing de facto, I was there every you know, I was there every Thursday night until 10 p.m. working on the light board. All by way of saying, I spent a lot of time in the dark room with Um, Kelly. Not with Kelly by that point in time, Kelly was going out with David Brust and we were on Splitsville.
0: I'm gonna go listen to his podcast. Seems like he's kind of the winner in this scenario.
1: No, I think David is still selling like natural food at the car's grocery on. The bar. It's very specific. <laughs> what, what, a, I mean, what a hilarious <laughs> reference for our Alaska <laughs> listeners. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the, um, the freedom and the power that that came from being able to actually go into a dark room and not only develop your film, but print your prints the way you wanted Something visceral about seeing the image appear must be very powerful. Not only that, but as you were saying about digital stuff, we now have all these tools powers to crop and enhance and color modify take it for
0: granted you do it all with with like two fingers while you're watching tv with your other eye
1: but in the old days if you're you know if you framed that photo in uh, weirdly or if there's somebody in the background i mean you were stuck with it but to have that high school darkroom power to go in and say enlarge enhance you know move this (laughs) over here clip you know uh go around Leon's shoulder and see if you can if you can find a fish scale
0: that part doesn't even work
1: it's not it should work it's in
0: work. 3D how are they seeing a different part of the room it's the
1: future never mind uh so that was a that was absolutely f- formative for me the uh the power and and it was uh, and up until that time developing film was a mag? it's not only seemed magical, but in most cases, you took it and dropped it off and came back several days later. Days later. Uh, and only then did you even know whether you had succeeded in capturing your daughter's wedding or
0: you'd forgotten what all the pictures were. So at least uh-huh. there was that moment of surprise like, oh, right, I took the camera that day. Or, oh, look, uh, you know, the kid stole the camera and took this picture. <laughs> There was it was much more of a dramatic reveal it was more of a reality show style experience.
1: Well, as you can imagine um where there is a need there will be in at least in America a commercial enterprise to fill that <sighs> Capitalism. need. Capitalism. You got you got to love it. You do have to love it. Nothing nothing wrong with it. One nice thing about the Instamatic and the 126 film format was it really popularized uh you know the the pocket camera just as Kodak had done earlier with its Brownie camera, uh, they kept coming out with new products that made taking pictures easier. And I'm sure in 1965, nothing seemed easier than putting this preloaded cartridge in the back of your plastic camera, pointing it, pushing a button and then popping that cartridge out and handing it off to somebody like it. it, Imagine it. Can you still have the, the
0: muscle memory of using your thumb to advance?
1: Oh yeah. There it is. Uh, in 1965, uh, a man by the name of Preston Fleet, uh, who was named uh, nicknamed Sandy Fleet, and uh, that's uh, Isn't Preston Fleet better than Sandy Fleet? Preston Fleet is great. Sandy Fleet sounds like the name of a uh, of like a a woman of the night who's working in a navy town.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sandy Fleet is when they find all those ships in the desert in close encounters.
1: Oh right, uh, Sandy Fleet. Uh, realized that there was a, a, a need for fast photo processing made simple and easy for people.
0: Well, what, would you, what would you do at the time? Go to a, a dedicated camera shop? A camera would shop. Would you go to a drugstore? My, my memories are very much drugstore-centric.
1: Drugstores, I think, started uh, doing film processing later. Huh. It, was, it was a specialty. You'd have to go to a weird store run by a weird Radio Shack guy? Yeah, that, had, you know, that was selling all kinds of camera equipment, and they would develop your film. Um,
0: and they would do it maybe on site even.
1: Uh, well, yeah, but you know, a, a, a uh, like the film developing process hadn't yet become completely automated, so it did require a certain amount of person a with guy. a dark bag who would you know because if it, once I mean if, uh, exposed film, you can't have any light touch it, right? So all all of the processing once you open. That oh, I've cartridge, seen Stranger Things. I know how this works. Right, right. You have to put it in water. Water clarifies the picture, <laughs> uh, but but you know you see you see shots in dark rooms with that red light on. But you can't have that red light on until you're until the film itself has been. That's got has got to be in, in complete, complete darkness, darkness coming out of the of the cartridge or right. whatever the thing. The is. red light is only to to watch the the, um, the prince. Uh, no, the red light's for the police, not prince. Well, there's a red light. There's a, there's a red light over yonder. <laughs> Uh, So, Preston Fleet, uh, as was the style at the time, uh, thought, how do I make this easy for Americans so that they don't have to get out of their cars?
0: And he... At the time, getting out of your car was a headache. People were always thinking they would streamline uh, Automotive America by letting you eat a burger in your car. In your car. Uh, What else could you do in your car? Go to the Uh, bank.
1: That's right. Never leave the bank. You could go to the drugstore. Uh, in various places in america there were th- there were on the east coast in particular uh, we didn't have these in the west but there were drive through liquor stores that seems a l- little tricky there was one in anchorage drive through liquor store but i've never seen one here in washington and there are things you can things- see why legislatively people might be against it yeah it seems like not a thing there are drive through dairy stores in the east <laughs> like if you just you're driving your car you need some cottage cheese you go to the dairy store, get get some milk and butter. Drive through bowling alleys. Hmm. <laughs> I think you're making that up. In the UK, uh, there, the, I think the first drive through grocery store um, is may- maybe a little bit more of a. Well, recent you know,
0: everything though. has come full circle now. Like uh, in Seattle, Amazon is kind of piloting these new gro- grocery stores where you make your complete order online. I right. need six tomatoes. I need a can- uh, three cans of cream mushroom soup. And then you drive into a little booth, and some guys got your groceries all ready to go. Yeah, it,
1: uh, yeah. They, they, Even that sounds like old-fashioned compared to just like put your put your order in, and it shows up at your door. Why is
0: the drone not bringing me crew mushrooms? I mean, soup? Merlin
1: Man orders toilet paper, and it shows up on, on his doorstep an hour later. And I'm like, you need to go to the store sometimes. I mean,
0: not just it's not just bad socially. Like the carbon footprint is probably not great. That right. all this stuff is now being delivered one item at a time the second i realize i'm out of fabric softener
1: right uh but there's a difference in america and this should be made clear to futurelings between a drive through and a drive in Mm. Uh, drive throughs are ones where you you go up in your car you order um the first i think fast food restaurant that that really popularized the drive through was the jack in the box mm. and it was super confusing to people because the the speaker i don't know if you remember this the speaker that you talked into was actually the jack in the box of the head. Guy. Yeah. yes and then the guy would talk back to you because they thought no one would talk to a thing that looked like a microphone right. you need to t- uh, jack in the box so this horrifying clown head you would kind of pull around the side of this building and there would be this clown just like and you'd walk up and it would you know it would say Hello, i help you i
0: guess we haven't put drive in movies in the omnibus that's kind of the weirdest thing of all like people love movies but they hate getting out of their cars yeah. what if you watched the movie through the windshield of your car sitting in your super comfortable car yeah what is the idea that movie theater seats were so bad back then you would want your Chrysler and because
1: well, the sound is worse cars were super nice to sit in back then big cushy seats mm. but also you could be in your pajamas you could bring your own food um, yeah it was I mean we loved our cars we used to before uh, they became all garbage cars like now. But drive-in restaurants were, of course, a big
0: Like thing, somebody in you, roller skates bringing over yeah, a tray of...
1: You could eat in your car, which is a, a thing I really don't understand. Yeah, like it's... Mm, I'm, my I, stinky car.
0: I'm very skeptical that the, no matter how nice your car seats are, it's really the right vibe for any of these things, watching a movie, eating fried chicken. it It just seems like the car's job is done when you're there. You know, it did its It did its time. It's time to move on and actually go in the drugstore now. Well, so.
1: The idea that getting your pictures processed would be a thing you'd like to do as part of as a component of running errands Mm -hmm. was actually pretty, uh, pretty prescient of Preston Fleet. Prescient Preston, they called it. It's funny that they wouldn't say prescient Preston or prescient Prieston. Oh, right. Prescient. Is that how you actually pronounce it? Prescient rather than prescient? I think it's prescient. Prescient Preston. Aren't prescients like uh, militaristic Pre- Germans? Prescient Prussian Preston. <laughs>
0: this, is, are you, this is like a mic check now. <laughs> I'm actually going to look up, look how, up? You, how you say prescient. Beep, beep. It is prescient first. Alternately, prescient. Alternately, either with seant instead of sheant.
1: I'm vindicated. Uh, yes. Prescient is valid.
0: Yeah. Uh, but, you know, really, Preston should have chosen the pronunciation that made the nickname funnier.
1: Anyway, Preston, or Sandy, as we like to call him, uh, is one of the inventors of, wait for it, WD 40. Really? He made his. He made his big impact in the world, inventing WD-40. Do you know what
0: the WD stands for?
1: Uh, water displacement. Really? I
0: guess because it's you know it slides its slippery stuff in there and replaces the water with something more lubricated. Oh, isn't that interesting? And it must have been the 40th try. He must have had 39
1: unsuccessful uh, little yeah. door knob lubricators. Well, let that be a lesson to you, as you're as you're trying to invent a lubricator. A Don't give up. Lubricator. Don't give up after the 39th one. Yeah, you get to 39 and you're like, I'm done. No, keep trying. So, Preston invented the uh, the notion of the drive-through film processing kiosk. This is going to seem so crazy for anyone under 40, like.
0: Do we really have film to develop often enough that you need a drive through
1: window for it? The answer is yes. Apparently, and yes. Here's what's crazy to a modern listener or to a futureling is that you gave the film to the person in the photo mat. The photo mat, let's describe it. It's a little hut. It has a hut roof, a gold-colored roof that can only be described as a hut roof. And you'll recognize it because if you see a Pizza Hut restaurant... Right, it's the same. It's a giant photo mat. It's the same exact style. I don't know why that roof is the is the, a hut roof, but it's kind of Polynesian looking, except gold. The Pizza Hut it's red. Pizza Hut it's red. The uh, the photo mat is only big enough for one person at a time. It's almost entirely glass window encased, except for the hut roof. And you can basically sit in there on a stool. A single cashier sitting there waiting for you. There's, a, I think, windows on both sides so people could drive up from either side. And you would drive up. And, and the, you'd say, 24
0: photos of my family, please. That's right. The, the,
1: the Photomat uh, employee, uh, they, tried to, they hi- tried to hire mostly college girls, in which case uh, they were called Photomates. Wait, no. Sorry, I'm afraid so. And if they were boys, mm. they were called photomax. M-A-C. Yeah. So oh, a, a college guy is called a Mac, and uh, a <laughs> college girl is, gal
0: is a mate. You're supposed to imagine that this cashier you're handing your film to
1: is your mate. Your little mate. That's awful. She had, uh, they, they had uniforms, little stewardess outfits, basically. And you would hand her your film. She would write your name and information down on an envelope. She can't develop it there. There's absolutely no film development capacity there the film is picked up by a courier this thing could do any business that has a courier come that's right but for some reason it's doing film photos because there
0: because as you say there are that taking pictures is that it's, popular. A, it's a common errand like you got to run to the bank and you've got to run to the grocery store and you got to pick up your photos you got to pick up your photos or drop off your photos. you've just got a constant stream of
1: photos to develop and that's what we said drop them off or pick them up right you got to pick up your picture, pick up your photos drop off your photos and then the what what made Photomat innovative was that it was it was a twenty four hour turnaround. You were going to drop off your photos, you come yeah, back. That's quicker than
0: than other places could do.
1: Quicker than any any anywhere. Uh, you know that was I guess the Photomat promise.
0: This right? place caught on. Do you have any sense of how many Photomats there were
1: at the nationally? heyday? There were 4,000, over 4,000 photomats in parking lots around America. I guess rent is cheap.
0: Overhead's cheap because you're just renting, you know, a a mall will happily rent you two parking spaces.
1: uh, uh, Photomates and photomax reported that it was a fine job except one crucial thing that the photomat building cannot support, a bathroom. Oh. So – if you worked at the photomat, you had to go find a place at a neighboring business that would allow you to use the potty. I can only imagine that for most people that was fine, but there was always that one person in Rochester, New York, who couldn't who the na- you know, the neighboring restaurant wouldn't let him use the bathroom.
0: You'd think Rochester would be more supportive of photography. In well, general.
1: They, they, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure in Rochester they were they were well
0: loved. You know, my mom, at her first job out of high school was working at a Photomat clone, a local Seattle area Photomat clone called Snappy Photo. Get out. Or I think it was Snap hyphen E hyphen photo in the style of the time. Photomat, by the way, is with an F. I don't know if that's F- clear F o t o mat. Photomat. Streamlined pronunciation was very big in America. Like this was the American century, and we were going to spell night, N-I-T-E, through T-H-R-U.
1: Get to the point. That's right.
0: Get to the end. No silent letters. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. We don't need that G-H. Uh, her friends all called it crappy photo owned Lol. but she would sit in this little five foot by five foot space for an eight hour shift. And it was an ideal summer or college job cause she would just do her homework. Yeah. Uh, until people would drive up people, would drive occasionally somebody would drive and all she would have to do would be like to put it, file it in an envelope or if they wanted their film to find the envelope, they filed it. Was she a snappy mate? Uh, I don't think they had names. Oh. Snappy, Snappy Kathy, Snappy Kathy. I'm not sure. She, uh, they did have a funny uniform. In in their case, it was she says some kind of red wool jumper over a gold nylon turtleneck. Okay, which you know, amazing. For, Sounds like for, the for 1970 for hot dog on a stick. Do You remember them? <laughs> yeah, they had the they had the uh, gold hats. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, she 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 loved it. the The film would be. She was uh, in, up in Linwood. There were like four of these Seattle wide. She was up in Linwood somewhere on Highway 99. And they would take the film every day. Somebody would come up in a truck and pick up all the film and take it to some lab, like two hours south in in Centralia, Chehalis area. Wow. And I don't know why that's cheap developing. Right, drive it back up to Seattle, and I think I think in their case it may not have been twenty four hour.
1: I think uh, the twenty four hour thing became a um, uh, a way that they were trying to develop a, a competitive advantage. Developed odd law. That's another lol. I'm
2: getting you're getting a lot of lols out of me today. start that's unlimited access to thousands of lessons exercises and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks just go to musician.com slash start that's y-o-u-s-i-c-i-a-n dot com slash start
0: my mom said it was a great job i think she my dad would come over when he was done with his doing his janitorial stuff at sandpoint
1: Oh, naval base, naval
0: base. which was which was his job, and uh, maybe they would canoodle in the in the photomat or the off brand photomat. She said the only downside was she got robbed twice.
1: Oh right, you I, could see that they're all by themselves. Yeah, out there. Yeah, there's
0: just one one photo mate just sitting there with a bunch of cash. The, the day's cash. So she she got robbed, I think twice, maybe by the same guy. And she said the only thing that was made her nervous was he clearly was new new to the the gig. And oh, it, he's and it, a
1: bad robber. Not a good.
0: Like you want to be in good hands when somebody's robbing you. That's right. And this guy was like nervous, you know, gun hands shaking, and she you know, she was afraid something was going to go wrong. Uncool, uncool, uncool. Don't don't hold up the photo
1: mate. She's she's here to serve you. Well, photomats were, I mean, for both of us, right? A real. F- Feature on the of the landscape. You, you didn't even think twice when you
0: saw a, a photo developing place in a parking lot, uh, not even developing a photo, photo receiving receiving place. and
1: distributing place. But by the late seventies, thirty five millimeter cameras were becoming more and more fashionable, and all and it's one of those situations where I think the the number of photomats peaked right about the time right about nineteen eighty when the decline of what had made photo mats popular kind of you could see the the writing was on the wall what, uh, what, times were
0: changing what technologically overtook them
1: well, uh, a couple of different things. one of them was photo processing technology started to become more widely uh, the, the 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 processing was more automated and the and the scale of the equipment started to become. A, a, a manageable size. Yeah, I've seen those machines. That, you, know, you would go to a place and they'd, ha- they'd have a machine there where they could
0: you know, feed in a roll of film and the machine could make whatever decisions. Right, the and, machine is the
1: called a, a mini lab. And mm-hmm. mini labs were this kind of containerized, they're you know, compartmentalized little, you could slot a mini lab into a mall or a photo place and have those pictures back... Um, What, what, same day, day, one hour, yeah, what increasingly became one hour, but same day photos at first, and all of that made it very difficult for uh to to make a justification to like go drop your stuff off at this photo mat. A a hut is
0: rarely the end of the end of technological progression. Usually, if you see a hut, something better is
1: coming. Like, if you see a pizza hut, you should be eating somewhere better, but also, photo mat was franchising, uh, and. And they were so excited by the growth of their enterprise mm. that they really over expanded. In 1981, the, the then president of Photomat, Richard Irwin, said in an interview um, uh, uh, with a surprising degree of candor that you wish you saw from business people today. He said, "The biggest single factor uh, in our, you know, in the decline of our business was our um, was our own ineptitude." <laughs> I was like oh, when I read that, I said, <laughs> "Richard Irwin, wherever you are now, I wish you were running a, a bigger company." Was
0: this after the Chapter Eleven declaration? Like you don't usually see somebody use the word ineptitude mm-hmm. to stockholders. No, they
1: hadn't. So, so they tried to pivot, and in 1979, they became the first place uh, where you could, or they became a very early. Place where you could rent VHS tapes. They literally pivoted to video. They pivot, They tried <laughs> to blockbuster. And, they, and what,
0: they were the first blockbuster. Was they, it a hut? You would pull up and be like, "Well, it was the same huts." You you'd
1: pull up and be like, "Do you have ordinary people?" No, they had a list of available titles that you would look at. You know, they like a catalog. Mm-hmm. You would look at those. You would pick the. Um, you would pick the title that you wanted, and you would order it. And then it would arrive Oh, they didn't have
0: it on site. You'd have they, to come back later and they'd have found a Betamax version of the Apple Dumpling Gang for you.
1: Right. So you'd look at you'd look at the at the catalog, you'd call them on the phone, <laughs> tell them the movie that you wanted, and then you would arrive you'd go to the photo mat the following day and there would be the movie. Now the movies were twelve dollars, which wow. was forty bucks uh, in nineteen eighty dollars. And it was still just a brief rental? It was a week. You could have it for a week. And eventually they they went, they went to a $10 for a week-long rental. And as you remember, like renting a movie for a week was a real selling point at the time because either it was going to take you a week to watch it or maybe you'd watch it three times. I don't so know. Like get your money's worth. Why the hell would you want five days? It was just that you didn't want to have to take it back.
0: That whole rental market made the pricing very weird. Like studios – in the early days of, of uh, video rental as an industry, the studios would price their new movies at like ninety or one hundred and ten dollars for a while, so that nobody could buy their own copy at home. So you'd have to go through one of these rental chains right. to see your movie.
1: And that's what happened here. Paramount Pictures um, made a contract with Photomat to supply Paramount films. Your favorite Paramount films, yeah, uh, but Raiders then of the Lost Ark. They couldn't get. Uh, they couldn't get all the other studios to sign on for a while. There were some photo mat exclusive releases, <laughs> uh, which is um, like, it's just like Netflix today.
0: You know, the only way to see this movie, you guys is to go to your local photo mat.
1: There was a movie about Pogo, the Walt Kelly character. Speaking of little Abner's grandmother,
0: I love Pogo. It was it like a cartoon. is it the one where he runs for president. It's called
1: I go Pogo. All right. It was that was uh, the slogan.
0: People had I Go Pogo T shirts.
1: Yeah, and that 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 film was available exclusively Only. at Photomat. Does that
0: explain why you and I have never seen I Go Pogo? Because <laughs> we uh, have not been getting our movies from Photomat. I, I guess so. We missed our we missed our big. It our is big a claymation, shot. by the way. It oh, lo- nice! It, I'm looking at a still of it now, and it looks not unlike
1: Will Vinton's work. But the first Walt Disney movies you could rent were through Photomat kiosks. Interesting. This was their, you know. And so – but again, they were victims of the changing times and by the mid-80s, you could rent VHS tapes everywhere you looked. I mean
0: just being a little guy first adopter like that doesn't always work because right. as soon as somebody looks over and says, hey, uh, wait, they're getting movies in a parking lot now. There's right. no reason that a photo hut should be controlling that industry.
1: Yeah, and uh, like you said, the drugstore now was doing one-hour photo development and you could – I mean in Blockbuster obviously uh, – Blockbuster. Blockbuster then had the the model of come in. We have every movie you've ever seen, and you pick it up and go, and that and they they stayed on top of that heap for for uh, another couple of decades. But by 1983, the 4,000 photomats had dwindled to 1,000 photomats, and um, and then kind of hilariously, um, they. Went through a series of new owners, all at the wrong moment. Like Konica, uh, the Japanese company, bought mm. Photomat in uh, 1986, where it was like this is not 86 is not the time to get into the drive-up photo business. Uh, and so eventually, it was all you know the it was all shut down. But the photo booths, the mats themselves, um, the huts if you will. in a lot of cases were torn down, bulldozed, papered over. They probably had foundations but not not much of one, you know. Probably easy easy enough to remove and pave over. And I'm sure plenty of people took them and turned them into chicken coops or children's playhouses or whatever else. Can this
0: to this day can you drive around rural America and spot the the turkey coop that's a photo
1: mat? Well, you don't have to go that far because there are still photo mat booths. In parking lots, in situ. In situ, as it were. Uh, performing a, a variety of functions as a kind of starter incubator spot for people that are that are starting businesses. They they are watch repair places and places that you go to drop off your tailoring. Because uh, the rent is probably super cheap. Super cheap. They're, and there aren't a lot of businesses that can do it. They're, they're great little coffee kiosks, although they're – it's often, you know, you have to have some exterior plumbing, or you know, there has to be water there if you are going to make espresso. Um, but, but you can find them now all across North America, used for these different purposes, and a lot of them are are still standing, but kind of abandoned, papered over, used as little billboards. But we're so accustomed to seeing them now, and they've lost their um, they've lost their brand coloration and have become. Kind of, they're just painted every which way, and they 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 are an artifact that oftentimes the eye just just wanders over without a seeing, without acknowledging. Especially since there are so many kind of kiosky places. It's funny how you know it doesn't matter how ubiquitous it is if it's not relevant to
0: you, you just. You just don't see it.
1: Think about how many. Blue- I don't see. It. I don't see elderly people, for oh, example. I know. I know. It's, it's the same. It's going to happen to us all. How many blue mailboxes are still bolted to the street corners in cities that you just you don't notice it unless you're leaning against one in a parade? It's purloined letter effect. But uh, but there are there are. Pro- I mean, I don't know where the nearest kiosk to us is, but I'm sure. That there's a – I'm sure there are Instagram accounts. There's and, probably a website that has
0: – that l- lets you map your closest old photo mat. But there were 4,000 of them at one time. They uh, once roamed the plains like the, they, the sky was black with them.
1: So like the buffalo, like the passenger pigeon, they are uh, once uh, – an icon that once filled, the, filled America's skies that, um, that, wa- that the passage of time has rendered either extinct, obsolete – or just a more expensive and less good-tasting hamburger. Let's go find an
0: espresso place that's a former photomat and uh, just chat with the barista, or as I like to call her, the coffee mate. The coffee mate. (laughs) And that concludes Photomats. Entry 494.LV2342. Certificate number 38597. In the omnibus. Futurelings, the Omnibus is now an independent concern and our connection with you, our listeners in any era, is more important than ever. We hope to that end that you will follow us on social media, interact with us despite your your distaste for the wreckage it left in its wake. Mm -hmm. Uh, In our era, and we hope in in yours as well, we were uh, in archives in your era, we were uh, at Omnibus Project. Anywhere you care to look for us, uh, I was at Ken Jennings on Twitter. John was at John Roderick on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, There was a delightful community of listeners called the Futurelings. You could find that page on Facebook. Come join the fun. I'm sure uh, they will start to be, they'll be publishing photos of old photomats immediately. We will never see another Christian Science Reading Room on that forum now that they have a new white whale. We received uh, physical mail. People, mm-hmm. people sent somebody sent you glasses frames. They did. Somebody literally sent John glasses they frames. They did. They're lovely. Uh, or uh, a postcard. I don't know if I. I don't know if I talked about this one. This is a very confusing note about the Lackawanna Railroad in Scranton, Pennsylvania. It's got a little poem on the front about uh, Phoebe's bright linen white dress that um, couldn't exist without the coal that's powering her train.
1: Mm, the coal that's powering her train, eh? But the, If you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> but then on the back, the, 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 there's a, it, the poem has been expanded to six lines, and it's not clear whether uh, this is an expansion by the sender, whoever sent us this from Johnstown, Pennsylvania, or whether he just has access to a longer version of, uh, of the poem about Phoebe. Hmm. But we get great stuff like this, and we, we appreciate it. If you uh, want to send something digital... You could just scan your postcard and send it to uh, our email inbox, which is, was the omnibus Project at gmail.com. If you wanted to send material support for the fo- podcast, you know we can eBay all the glasses frames we want, but that's not going to keep the lights on, John.
1: No, it's true. Uh, like the gold fillings in your, in your uh, now decaying mouth? No, don't send those. No, actually, it's just gold. If you dig up a gold hat... If, if you if you dig up a gold hat, man, we will take it. First use it to predict an eclipse or a solstice, but
0: then when you're bored with that, uh, send it to us. Send us your used gold hat. I
1: can think of so many things that you could find in your granddad's closet that you could send us. Coin collection, stamp collection. Do
0: you think this is how we should fund the Omnibus now on, <laughs> on,
1: on like a... Uh, Goodwill stuff? I'm 100% down with that.
0: (laughs) We would be the only podcast to monetize using that method.
1: Funded entirely by your... From your attic. Your dad's attic. Uh,
0: But if you just want to, like, send a digital financial contribution, it's very easy to do that uh, at patreon.com slash Project. You can decide which tier of generous omnibus Futureling listener you are, and that uh, makes you a part of our community and continues to power the uh, the entries. Yeah,
1: let your freak flags fly, y'all. Um, speaking of y'all, Futurelings, from our vantage point in your distant past, parked out in front of a long-closed photo mat, trying to get the attention of a ghost photo mate inside, and ask her if she can make us some coffee. Did she die there? Ken doesn't the even scenario? drink coffee. Did this? Did, did the ghost? Did the photo mate die in the booth? I think that every photo mat booth is inhabited by the ghost of a former employee who didn't die, but who left a little part of herself there,
0: like a like a photographic negative. That's sort right, of. just in like in a, a ghost image.
1: Oh. Um, we have no idea how long these ghost images will survive. But we hope and pray that the catastrophe that we fear may never come. the The phrasing of that sentence needs a little reworking. I think we hope and pray that the catastrophe we fear may never come. We hope and
0: fear that the catastrophe we pray may never. We come. pray and fear that the catastrophe we hope.
1: The catastrophe we hope and pray and fear. We
0: fear this catastrophe, but we hope and pray that it may never come.
1: There it is. There it is. Recast That's nice. the sentence. We fear that this catastrophe, which we hope and pray. May never come, will come. <laughs> that's perfect. But if the worst comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, may be our final word. Also, like all our, that's a that's a little bit of a, vo- uh, a vowel, like uh, spirochete. As with all, uh, no, that's worse. Yeah, as with all, all our, all our, every one of our. <laughs> do you prefer it? This recording, like every one of our recordings, may be our final word. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.